What's up, guys? How's it going? It's uh, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, lunchtime in New York. We'll get it started in uh, a minute or two. Let you guys um, settle in. Hopefully, everyone's doing well. This is uh, the fourth episode I've done. Um, plan is to do these more consistently, more than once a week. So ideally what I'll do is I'll hop on here three times a week and uh, yeah, a good time for you guys to ask questions, for us to have an open discussion. Um, this right now is only being catered to iPhone users. Um, so you guys are survivors, you've made it through. Uh, but I think in the near future, they'll be opening up the um, capabilities to, to Android. So. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but I think uh, Colin is superior to doing spaces. Um, I started working with them, again, just over a month ago. Uh, David Sachs led, great team. Um, and the benefit of this uh, compared to spaces is that these are recorded. So, you know, I've been in a few spaces and one of the issues is that once something is said that it's more or less lost in the ether, you know, they have a running transcript. Um, but, you know, that's only so accurate. Uh, what people have done is I've noticed they've resorted to, um, you know, having someone uh, create a um, transcript of the room, you know, jotting down main points and so forth. So we'll get started in a minute. Uh, I'm going to be drinking coffee while doing this. So I apologize if you hear any slurping or slashing around. Um, keeping it real, right? No edits. Uh, this is not going to be formal, very casual, um, and yeah, hopefully we'll uh, accomplish something. So just to introduce myself, I'm sure many of you already know, use the link. Uh, my name is Ryan, also known as Cantering Clark on Twitter. It's now Ryan Cantering Clark. Um, for the longest time, people were calling me Clark, thinking that that's my name. Uh, Clark is the name of one of our horses here. Um, so Cantering Clark is... Uh, it's an actual horse. Uh, my name is Ryan. Um, I've been trading now for going on anywhere in between 15 and 16 years. I'm terrible at uh, tell terrible at remembering um, how old I am, honestly. Um, and when I got started in markets, um, started with a traditional background, trading legacy, trading equity index uh, futures, trading crude oil, and then moving into uh, crypto. Now primarily trading crypto. Um, this is the Kenrick Clark Trading Lounge, but honestly, it's we could talk about all things. I want to, you know, say we could talk about all things, but mostly markets. Um, for those of you that've been following me for, you know, quite some time now, you know that one of my pet peeves, uh, something that you obviously see on Twitter, um, is that people will have an opinion on everything, uh, even when it's something that's, you know, outside of their area of competence. And, you know, I'm very quick to say like. If you bring something up and I don't know, I'm just going to say, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, start um, getting into conjecture and uh, just kind of creating, uh, I don't know, wasting air, right? Uh, wasting your bandwidth by extolling or going off on anything that um, I am not really uh, well versed in. So, like I said, that we could talk about all things, um, <laughs> talk about things that happen in life in general, uh, but we could... Uh, well, ideally, we'll, we'll mostly stay to markets, and I think that most of you are here for that reason either way. So uh, last thing, um, 
nothing that I say is obviously uh, financial advice. Um, and if that's not obvious, hopefully it's obvious now. It's, it's just my opinion, right? Um, it's how I look at the market, the lens I'm looking at the market through, and, and that's that. So, uh, you know, I just want to cover some quick things. I think it's important to go over these because, you know, they're becoming more and more relevant. It's obvious now that, you know, I've been beating this drum for a while now. Um, the crypto and legacy are very correlated. They're correlated down to a microstructural level at this point. You have algo and HFT shops that are trading BTC, um, you know, the same way or rather in response to how they're trading, you know, equity index futures, the S&P, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, you know, this is a, a legacy driven move, right? Um, there's obviously a lot that's taken place uh, natively within the crypto market, a lot of, you know, um, idiosyncratic things, but this is primarily a, you know, sort of a system, the risk that takes place in, in equity markets that affects the crypto market, that is with regard to larger systematic risk, you know, when there's large downside in equities um, across, you know, macro assets, all correlations generally go to one. You see things that outperform BTC, but for the most part, everything gets pulled down by its weight. Almost everything bounces stronger though, right? Uh, everything that's been consistently showing strength for, you know, the last few months tends to continue um, until it doesn't, right? So always have to be mindful of that and where we are within the cycle. Um, so crypto has, you know, crypto has dropped pretty significantly, but it could continue to drop, right? We saw the S&P had a two standard deviation move yesterday. Uh, I would like someone to pull up the data on what we could expect in the window time after. Yeah, there's a degree of survivorship to the S&P because it's constantly made new highs. Um, but there's something to, you know, something to keep in mind is that, you know, this was about, this was not necessarily just about rate hikes, right? Because they were known, okay? This was more of the market doesn't like to be taken by surprise. Right. So this is more with regard to the market being taken surpri by surprise with regards to uh, talk about the balance sheet runoff. So the Fed's balance sheet, you know, consists of uh, multiple assets. You have securities, bonds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I'm not going to go too much into that because that's not my area of confidence. But, you know, rate hikes were known, but the market was taken su by surprise with, you know, the, the idea of, of the Fed sort of eliminating some of that balance sheet or, or running that off. And the market is obviously very sensitive to Fed commentary, uh, and we've seen that when equities have responded to Fed commentary, both positively and negatively, that you know Bitcoin has as well, and and you know by proxy, uh, everything that's correlated to BTC has responded similarly, right? Obviously, with different beta and, and mostly higher beta than BTC. Um, now, one thing to consider. Um, you know, we had a taper tantrum in 2013. Uh, we had a rate hike uh, into 2018. We've had rate hikes, you know, for the last 50 years, right? Um, if you just look at the Fed funds rate, it's been trending down. So each rate hike has been um, significantly smaller than the prior. Uh, markets have moved up during periods of rate hikes, though. Okay, so it's not the case that rate hikes have led to have immediately led to recessions. Um, or any kind of major market downturn until year, you'll, excuse me, <laughs> until years have passed. Um, but this time, the difference is the, you know, the idea of a Fed balance sheet runoff. Now, that being said, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think that they're in a position to really do too much. So they have to obviously taper more, um, get to the point of the first rate hike, uh, and then, you know, potentially talk about unwinding that balance sheet. But 
with midterm elections coming up, uh, with the way that uh, the general society and sentiment shifts around markets, I don't think that they could do too much before they would need to step in again. Um, so a lot of people are saying that this is a moment where really the Band-Aid just needs to be ripped off, right? I think that this ultimately mean, you know, ultimately what this means is this is going to be a, a temporary uh, period of pain. And uh, like I've said before, like if you could just look at equity markets as a whole in their entirety, you know, bear markets are really short periods with respect to bull market periods. So, you know, there's kind of this doom and gloom because obviously, yes, if you're 401k, if your retirement's exposed, if you are completely exposed, you know, that's. 25, 30, 40% drawdown is massive, right? Especially if you if you are staying exposed, okay? If you're staying exposed, you have to consider that returns are, you have to consider the difference between geometric and arithmetic returns, right? If you're down 50%, you need to gain another 100% just to get back, okay? But like I said, I think that this ultimately will be something that is um, that is temporary, okay? Another thing though to point out is that one of the issues, one of the points or pieces of criteria that the Fed has laid out to sort of speed this process up was, you know, job growth and, and getting back to full employment and pre-COVID levels. Um, so tomorrow we have non-farm payrolls, okay? And this is something where, and it's, you know, it's it's pretty sad because when you're a market participant, these are things that happen, right? You benefit from, you know, things where uh, that are ultimately indicative of other people doing the opposite, right? Not benefiting, being in a bad place. And, you know, it always kind of struck me as odd when I was trading equities and, and taking advantage of, you know, periods where there was some kind of crisis. And, you know, you have a, for example, you know, during COVID, you have COVID where people are getting hit tremendously. And, you know, you're making money by trading, you know, pharmaceutical companies, right? Benefiting from the vaccine. Um, so this, this, I guess, you know, the thing that I'm talking about is tomorrow, non-farm payrolls, if we get a good number, that's good, right? But that's bad for markets. I think that we could ultimately see that if the job numbers come out, or if we rather have non-farm payroll comes out tomorrow, this is at 8.30 a.m., um, and it's positive, right, then we could see another significant dip, right? Just because it kind of adds to the idea that we're getting closer and closer to a place where the Fed said that they would ultimately pull off anyway. Now, that being said, um, crypto is correlated. Okay, so there's nothing we can do about this. It's going to increase its correlation overall, as, as you know, I've laid out a few different reasons why this happens. And, and it's just becoming, you know, once it's on the main stage, it's, it's just the way things are, right? Um, crypto is a long duration asset. So right now, um, you know, crypto, high multiple growth stocks, tech, um, further out the risk curve benefits in a low rate environment. So that's what I mean when I say long duration. Um, so as long as we're seeing, you know, rates increase um, and we're seeing more short duration, then, you know, crypto, I think growth stocks, high multiple stocks, just, you know, think if, if some of you are not familiar with equities and you're primarily a crypto trader, when I say like, um, you know, high multiple stocks, just think of them like altcoins, right? You know, further out the risk curve. So, as far as crypto goes, uh, Bitcoin still, like I said, rules the roost. Um, you know, when we see it get hurt, other things get dragged down with it. Like I said, there's going to be outperformers. Uh, a couple things to note, and then I'll open it up. Um, you know, since we moved down, there's been no decline in open interest. So you know, there's been conversation about whether longs are upside, shorts are offside. 
um, stablecoin margin contracts as we move down are at continued all-time highs, right? So they're moving up um, OI to market cap ratio, or rather market cap to OI ratio, which is a sort of measure of, of you could use it as a best guess of, of leverage in the system. Exposure, right? Um, that is at local highs again, even though prices moved down. Now we saw when price moved down in the first significant drops, and I think we're down almost 7% now from uh, two days ago or from, from yesterday. Um, as we moved down, right, open interest, it, it, it did get cut down initially in those, you know, in those downward moves. But as we've moved sort of sideways and kind of grinded and floated up somewhat, um, open interest has continued to rise on that. So no, uh, no major sign of, of offsides positioning. Again, we had long squeezed, but it's, it's kind of weird for stablecoin margin contracts to continue to go up. And there's really no, um, you know, one thing you would want to see is that there is some kind of funding that corresponds with that to really help you make a case for one side being overcommitted. And now there's parity between longs and shorts, right? But there's different types of longs, different types of shorts. There's an aggressor and there's a passive player. And usually the aggressor is, you know, the like I talk about the heavier hand and the weaker hand. Um, and you have to consider the amount of leverage that people are using, right? Their exposure. So as we've seen the move drive down, it's not like we've had, you know, a sharp uh, increase in negative funding. Stayed the same, stayed relatively neutral. Uh, we haven't had any kind of major volume. And this is uh, one thing that Novograd said, and it's kind of like a TA 101 garbage where it's, you know, it's, we talk about it when we talk about auction market theory, you know, the market accepting prices lower. Um, and when prices are moving lower, if we don't see a lot of spot volume, hey, people don't want to sell down here. But if anything, you know, one thing you could think of is that it means that we haven't really necessarily run into a lot of demand yet either. We haven't seen a lot of business exchanged. So I don't really like the fact that we're moving down on low volume. Um, the best way I could put that is just consider the volume effort, right? You're able to move a lot on minimal effort. Um, it's just a matter of work versus results. Okay, so, you know, it's there hasn't been much that stood in the way of price moving down for the amount of volume that we've actually done. So no major rejection yet. Um, you know, the market from, from what we've seen, it, it's rare that it just turns without fireworks, right? So it's, it's rare that it turns without fireworks. And, you know, right now we haven't had any fireworks. I think that this is a good area to expect this general region down to 40. And I've been saying this for a while now, I, I drew a box, right? I put a box on Twitter. It's that gray box between like 40 and, and maybe 44, right? So, a, you know, it's a, a wide area, right? It might be 45. I can't remember. Um, so it's like a 6% window, but hey, it is what it is, right? This is an area where I would expect the flush to happen. Um, you know, it was an area rather, if we move into it, you could see a flush happen anywhere within there, but we're still looking for that type of behavior. And I don't think we've necessarily uh, had that yet. What we're looking at right now on the low timeframes is we're below a key weekly level. And you can see if you zoom in that we are treating that like resistance right now. So that's one thing to note, but we are, you know, days away from the weekly close. You know, what you usually see is when you get a significant weekly close through a level, though, that in the near term, there's a lot of flows that are generated as a result of that. Because as you can imagine, when you change a weekly level, you start to um, you start to uh, forcefully inspire a lot of order flow. Right. You know, and eyes on, you know, the main levels on the chart, most eyes on those levels, you know, the most and a large amount of participants can get involved around weekly changes, you know, higher time frame changes. So uh, if we do get that weekly close under that level. You know, it could be potentially a great trap setup, though, right? Because we see that also the market moves down, closes through a level or moves up, closes through a level, generates a lot of, you know, participation and then reverses on us. 
So if, you know, I think it's a lot of this, I'm gonna open it up in a second, uh, is contingent on, you know, what we see in legacy. Um, in the short term, I would expect a bounce, but I expect the choppy legacy market, honestly. I don't expect easy trading for the next couple of months. There's no reason to expect that. Um, you know, the, the sugar that was being supplied to the market, uh, that's been taken away. So it's not gonna be an easy environment. What you're going to have is you're gonna have, you know, the same sector rotation that we've had. There's more dispersion in this market now. It's becoming more mature. There's more of a case for some pairs having some type of fundamental value, or at least you're able to, you know, see that they're tangible to a degree and use them and, you know, see the revenue the platform's generating, use the decks, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's not going to be just across the board a rising tide, uh, at least not in the short term, not in the intermediate term. And that's just my opinion. So I think what you have to be mindful of, and then I'll open up right after this, is that there is, there's going to be great opportunity, but you have to be a lot more nimble. You have to be a lot more nimble and you have to be willing to sort of divorce your ideas very quickly when things begin to take a turn, because there's not that sort of supportive value bid uh, that we see, you know, mid bull market where, you know, someone is willing to step in and suppress downside volatility. It's sort of like, you know, as I've said before, prices value, as soon as prices go lower, people perceive it as less valuable and it's, it's more reflexive um, because of that. Same thing works to the upside, right? You know, price begets, um, price, you know, higher prices begin higher prices, lower prices begin lower prices. So the last thing I would say is if you're looking at alts, and this is something I've been sort of talking about a lot lately, is if you have alts that are very extended, you know, check them out, look into them. If it's a platform that you see there's a dime a dozen of, you know, if it's a, a gaming concept that is, yes, hasn't even left the uh, drawing board yet and you have major extension and on top of that, you see that the fully diluted valuation is multiples of what the current market cap is. Just keep in mind that going to the period that we're going into, it's going to be difficult for something to remain bid as it is. So anything that has emissions or flows that are going to be released into the market um, is going to be, uh, you know, higher likelihood of where that asset's going to have a really hard time moving up. It's going to be easy for it to continue to sort of grind down. Um, and I think that's that. I mean, like I said, things are going to outperform, but that is something to keep in mind. It's going to be difficult for the market to absorb that new supply that comes in. Uh, I'll go ahead and open it up. Let's see, we have a Good amount of people in here. All right, Digi, what's up, buddy? What's up, Al? Hey, can you hear me? Francesco, what's up, man? I can't hear you. I think you're muted. Hold on one sec, Val. Change something around. All right, let me take the next caller because couldn't hear you. X. Hey, Ryan, can you hey, hear me? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? How's it going? Good. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks for having another Good session on, on Colin. Of course. Good to talk to you. Um, I just wanted to check in on you. I, I mean, as, as, as you said, as the markets are increasingly correlated with, uh, with NASDAQ and SPX, and as SPX and NASDAQ are increasingly, I mean, they're driven by basically flows, 
and the, those are driven by the Fed. Um, I was wondering, you know, in between the basically the next FOMC meeting, which is on the 26th, what are some of the things that you're monitoring with, with respect to flows? Uh, so for me, I've been following a couple of people on Twitter, like Chem Karsan and, and Chris City. I mean, they're like money, they're the, like option dealers. They have some good uh, insight on what's likely to happen in the in the coming weeks. But there's also some, I feel like there's some um, systemic risk like ARC ETF, which is down like 8%, and that may drag, drag down all the the tech um, stocks, which may spill over then into Bitcoin even further. I mean, I, I, do, do you see a risk of another Archegos happening um, in the next month? And um, what would that mean for, for BTC and, and the whole crypto space? Yeah, you know, I, I never... I... I want to say never say never, um, but I, I don't necessarily think that we're looking at something like that in the near term. Uh, but what I will say is that, uh, and Chris Siddell and Pam, those, those guys are great. I also follow closely, and um, this is going to be a, an advertisement for his newsletter, but Brent Donnelly, he's the author of uh, Alpha Trader, great newsletter, uh, great macro voice. Uh, I think that what you have to do is, you know, one thing that I do at least is I, I don't want to spread my um, I don't want to spread myself too much all over uh, with regard to what I'm trying to take in, but I do keep an eye on key key areas, and tech is definitely one of them. I think that you know, crypto, as I said uh, a few times before, is it's really just like um, it's kind of like a tech sector. It, it's kind of like a separate tech sector outside of equities. It, it trades like a tech stock, uh, behaves like a high multiple stock. Um, you know, it's a, it's higher it's it's higher beta than tech, but uh, in many ways, I think that it trades alongside it. So I think most tech was down today. Um, Microsoft down. Uh, I didn't see where Apple was, but as as long as tech continues to to struggle, I think that crypto definitely does. And I think that like one thing that like a lot of um, people that are like crypto native traders and first-time investors in this market is have, they have a hard time wrapping their head around how this is not independent. It, it, it's not independent. It's not going to be It's not going to be any less independent than it currently is right now. It's only to become more correlated moving forward. Um, so, you know, I think that ultimately what we have, I think the best thing, like I said, would be for sort of the Fed to rip the Band-Aid off at this point. Um, and I don't think that that involves, you know, I don't think we're looking at, I mean, could be completely wrong, but I don't think we're looking at any kind of massive balance sheet unwind. Uh, I think if we saw any kind of you know very significant response by the market, that it ends up being the case as in the past where the Fed has gotten you know has had to get involved again, especially going into to midterms. Uh, but I think at this point, like I am not like uh, I, it, you can't bury your head in the sand and live, live in la la land right now. Like I'm not really that concerned right now with. Like what's taking place locally um, in the big, you know, in crypto, because I think that one of the most important indicators, as you know, at this point, especially after very significant moves, and one of the ways, you know, things that I say you could do to filter, and you know, some thing that I've done is like when the VIX is elevated, when the VIX is above twenty, like it's kind of a waste of my my time to start looking at crypto at a microstructural level, trying to like uh, look for a bottom. Right. I'd rather wait for legacy to have some kind of, you know, wind in its sails for some type of, um, some type of, uh, you know, uh, you know, suppression in the VIX, you know, VIX to drop, 
equities define a bottom or show at least some signs of because it's easy to talk about a bottom in hindsight. Um, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm mostly concerned with taking with what's taking place in legacy right now. You know, it is the dog that's wagging the crypto tail at this point. Thanks. That's very helpful. I fully agree. Um, I I know that you're always like a big optimist and you know long-term bullish stock market, etc. But we are at also unprecedented um, debt levels. We've printed out so much money over the last two years due to COVID. And um, how do you see this whole debt um, picture resolving? Because the whole world is indebted, right? So one one scenario I see is like we just write it off and we inflate the debt away. But there's another scenario where we could have like major geopolitical tensions, which would basically then adversely affect the markets. And we can go, we can have like potentially a blow off top in the SPX and then a 1929 kind of scenario. Um, where's where's your head? Uh, uh, how, how are you thinking about that? Like I'm following, for instance, Artemis Capital, uh, Chris Cole. I mean, he's, you know, he said like, a 40-year secular market is like unprecedented, like in history, you know, all the way down to basically to the stock, uh, to, to the Dutch stock market uh, inception. It's, we never had something like this. So there's, it, it will end at some point. And how are you thinking about it? And um, I know you're always an optimist, which is great, but I'm just thinking, that, do you have like a, a backup plan for that, <laughs> for, for, for an adverse scenario? I mean, yeah, I am, I'm definitely a long-term optimist because I, you know, like you said, one one possibility is inflating the debt away. Um, that being said, I I think that general well-being uh, for the global economy is so tied to markets that there's almost like there's nothing they can do but kind of keep this circus going um, to keep the charade going. Uh, you know, at, that being said, like that's 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 like a flawed way of thinking in and of itself because it. Just assumes that what is going, what has continued, will, will you know, what has persisted will continue to persist. Um, and and sometimes you know, you know, when I'm just thinking of myself, I I do have this kind of thought of like, is this all like you know, just a silly joke? I don't get it. It doesn't make a lot of things don't add up uh, when you look at how our markets operate. But you know, when it comes to like one one thing, I will say is like um, there are people that have been consistently calling for this, like Chris Cole's kind of one of them. Um, obviously, you know, tremendously talented, bright guy, but has been more of a pessimist over the last 10 years um, in general. I think macro investors generally are pessimists. Uh, you know, they tend to look at the world and markets and say, what's wrong with this? Something has to be wrong with this because there's no way that things can be uh, generally this easy. Um, so I, I honestly, you know, this is where I will defer to say, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, and the best way to put it was I said not too long ago. Um, I'm, as long as the music's playing, I'm going to keep dancing. But it does pay to dance near the door. I am like I have almost no exposure to crypto minus uh, a few alt plays at this point. I have um, I am almost entirely in uh, in, in cash, um, and you know that, that feels comfortable to me right now. I, I I'm a trader first and foremost. Uh, but I think that if, if you know, I, I want to say that there is so much tied, especially politically, to this game continuing to play the way it does, um, that, and there's been multiple periods throughout history where things that didn't make sense, they just continued. Um, 
nothing has been, you know, haven't gone too far without having something shocking occur, but, you know, you're left scratching your head, like after COVID 2020, uh, when we had that huge market crash, and then the market went on, you know, a ridiculous rampage, like, I was not expecting that at all, um, but, you know, I honestly, I, I don't know, man, I'm, uh, I'm in kind of, uh, I'm in a sim, I'm in a, like, I, I try to be optimistic, I think it's generally better to be an optimist, um, Rather than be too cautionary, you tend to make more money when you're an optimist. Uh, but, you know, my positioning speaks to being, my, my positioning constantly speaks to being more defensive. I mean, I, I'm a bull, but at the same time, like, I have paper hands compared to most other people that I know. Um, I tend to be, I guess, a little bit more rational in that sense. But what that means is I end up capping my, yeah, I end up capping my potential, but I'm, I'm happy playing the way I do because obviously it's, it kind of ensures my own survival, which is the most important survival. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, this is uh, very interesting times. One thing I will say, and it's like not something that you know, not everyone wants to talk about around the dinner table. Like I live in the United States, and yeah, you know, I'd be damned if I didn't think from time to time, like you know, if you study history, there has been no empire that's just continued on forever. Like they've all died, they've all you know gone through booms and busts, um, and I think that. You know, the average is, what, maybe like 230, 250 years. Um, so I'd be foolish to think that, you know, the things are going to continue just perfectly forever, but maybe the introduction of technology and, you know, general awareness that's made possible by that will completely reshape the way that history, you know, the future unfolds. But at the end of the day, it's all, it's all conjecture on my part. No, but it's very helpful. And I agree with you. It's always, you know, I'm also cautious, but it always pays to be a bull rather than a bear. I mean, it's, um, with regards to um, crypto, I'm in the same spot as you. I mean, not mostly cash. Um, I wanted to ask you if, you know, SPX uh, gets a bid, what are some of the narratives that you like for 2022 for crypto? Like one or two, um, what are your favorites? So, honestly, I've just started to get more into looking into alts uh, in a more in-depth way rather than just being a momentum trader. Um, and what I'm starting to do is actually use the platforms. Uh, I think that something that, and you know, it's tough to say this, but everything does really well when there's a lot of money being injected into the system. So one of the cases that I want to make is... Um, I, I, think, I think the whole gaming thing is great, but if you look at the games, you realize, like, this is really far away from any kind of any kind of game that I would play. You know, it looks like the games are from the 1980s, right? I mean, I had, when I was a kid, I had an Atari, um, and then a Nintendo, and a Sega Jet, and, like, they're not even up to that point. They're all kind of the same, too. They, like, they're like a play on Sims. Um, so I think that gaming will be a massive industry that I want to be part of. I think it's really early. I think gaming, I think... In crypto, there are things right now that are going through the beginning of the cycle, the way that a lot of pairs did in 2016-17, where their ideas, they're great, but the tech didn't even close to catch up. So I think they're probably two, three years out. Um, one thing that I, I do want to pay more attention to is um, structured products in crypto and, and option, DeFi options, uh, because one thing that we've seen in, in legacy markets is that you know, the Robinhood craze, uh, retail loves to punt options on the long and the short side. Um, and I, I checked out Dopex, uh, Dopex and Ribbon Finance. And just from a user standpoint, um, it's different, right? You don't have the same sort of option chain you do when you're looking at, you know, traditional options. But, I, you know, 
I could see the benefit in it. I, I think it's an attractive idea, and I think it definitely could um, it could uh, you know gather a lot of attention and, and capital as a result if we get more and more people. You know, I think the benefit of crypto, just to say this, is that it barely has penetration the way that legacy does. So just by like more and more people getting even you know just retail participation in, in equities starting to get more comfortable in crypto, things will rise more in crypto than they would in, in legacy. Um, but you know I am I, I think that Bitcoin is you know as, as long as equities catch a bid, right I think like I said, I think this will be and this is the optimist in me talking. I think we have a lot of short-term pain to go through, but I think, you know, one and a half, two years from now, equities are higher. Um, and, you know, that could be completely mistaken, right? could be very flawed thinking. But I think as long as that's the case, you know, for my thesis, that that involves Bitcoin being higher as well, um, barring any kind of massive regulatory changes, which is something to always consider. It's like, forgot about that for a bit, but that's something that, you know, they're, they're working on in the background, but then they hit it with you, they hit you with it publicly, and it's... Like the market responds all at once, right? Um, so I'm looking at uh, structure products, um, DeFi options sound really interesting. Uh, gaming, I think, is a couple of years out, um, and, and it's not really a whole lot, man. Like I, I, I love the narrative when it's attractive to get behind when there's momentum in the market, but once uh, once things become shaky, you start to realize that a lot of these projects don't really have a bid; they just have a lot of early investors. Right, so you know, one of the issues with, you know, one of the issues. So this is like just chart psychology. When you have pairs that are newly listed on a, newly listed on exchanges, um, and obviously they have a ton of early investors, after they create some type of structure, if you're like a new retail participant and you're just trading off technicals, you see that there's a bottom, and you're like, oh, this is the bottom. You know, price approaches this level, like it's got to be good around here. But you forget, like, once there's no more momentum in the market. The people that are in that are already up like 100x. They could continue to sell after price nukes 50% on the chart, right? They could sell, you know, a, a 60% drawdown, and they're still up because they're early investors. They're still up, you know, just random 100x, right? So if there's no momentum in the market, I am less, you know, I, I'm less inclined to like start uh, spreading seeds out and, and really. Um, looking too much into things. So obviously, like I mentioned, I have a few things I'm looking at, but uh, I'm more inclined to be conservative than things look like they have some kind of moment, you know, tailwinds, so to speak. Indeed. I have one last one. Sorry for taking nope, No problem. Very quick one. Um, the Mt. Gox uh, unlock. So it's like, we don't have a date yet, but it may likely happen in Q1 or Q2. What do you see happening with that and the impact on overall crypto space? So, from what I've heard, the so so I'm in a, I'm in a couple groups. Um, uh, one of them is like a who's who of the largest people in crypto. I, I was invited into it. I'm like the only person in there that's not a not worth nine figures. <laughs> but um, the uh, if you can think of the biggest people in the market, they're in the group. And one of the things that's been coming up a lot more recently is how the information with regard to the Mt. Gox release is incorrect and the information that the participants have is, is inaccurate and that we're not looking at anything in the near future. Most of that was sort of picked up already um, by by legacy by legacy institutions. So I, I, that, 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 that 
if the best way I can sum it is that it's not actually something that really needs to be worried about in the in the short term. And it's more like a it's more a narrative that's driven by by retail and smaller participants. But that's what I've heard from people that are smarter in that area than I am. Uh, so I kind of defer to them. Um, and I think that the market, uh, if it if we were really looking at that lining up um, and that that supply was actually, you know, was potentially going to hit the market, I think we'd be in a much different spot in terms of price. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so, so, so much. I really appreciate this calls and obviously your, your, your great insights. So keep up the great work. We really all appreciate it. Thanks for giving back. Thank you so much. Nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you as well. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, buddy. All right, Mitchell. Hey, Mitchell, what's going on? Hey, Ryan. Uh, hey, how's it yeah, going? Once again, it's good. It's good. Thanks for holding these calls. Um, so I have a question kind of, I don't know. I mean, I know you said you're mostly cash. I'm also, uh, mostly cash. And, uh, I mean, to me, it just like, I, you know, it's, it's too early to tell, but I'm, I'm getting like, uh, the first 60 K top vibe or top vibes from like the S and P. It just looks like a giant deviation, at least for now. And I mean, I don't know, maybe like, like, are you kind of thinking like in terms of like, like bull above that important, uh, weekly, um, kind of with like, whatever it is, like 20 touches and bear below. Um, I mean, to me, it just seems like, you know, not necessarily bear market. Cause yeah, I, I believe in like the optimist mindset, but it did, it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, the potential start of like a, a month or two uh, kind of downtrend. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely isn't the start of anything because it's been taking place for like a long time now. You know, right? It's where, what are we now off? Like 37 or something. I just stepped back into my office. The great thing about calling is I can just walk around my house on this. <laughs> um, right now, I mean, we're already off the highs around 38%. Um, you know, the it's very rare that the market just bases out and roll, you know, rolls off of the rows and then just starts moving up without any kind of fireworks. So we had the consolidation between, what was that? That was between, you know, 52, five and 40, you know, 46 for the last couple months. Um, now we finally got the breakdown. I think that these are the kind of things that usually lead to larger offside positioning because now there's people that are getting in really late and they're like, okay, yeah, this is definitely going much lower, but they're really myopic because they don't already look at the fact that it's already gone very low. Um, you know, it's already, it's moved down from the highs, like I said, just under 40% again. Uh, it's into a key level, um, but there hasn't been any kind of major bounce. So I, I don't, you know, Bitcoin rarely does a one-way trip without, some type of major correction. Uh, assets rarely do that in general. Um, so I think that this, like I said, this region, which is now that I'm looking back at it, it's between, you know, it's a low portion of this wick. Um, you know, we're accepted into this wick again, which is not necessarily good because if you have a wick out of an area, it generally means the market responded very quickly. Uh, and now it's like we're able to hang out in that area. Not necessarily a good sign that you know, demand is kind of not jumping at the opportunity the second time around the same way it did the first. Um, but between 43 and honestly 40, 
you know, what more would I expect? Maybe we flush and just pop the low at 41, right around 48 or not 48, but 40,800, 41. Um, but if we started, for example, if we just started retaking local levels back within that consolidation, you know, right around, for example, 46, uh, then I think that we're looking at, you know, a base forming and then a much larger corrective move to the upside. And obviously this would be framed uh, with respect to what's taking place in equities. Um, and I think that like, you know, like I said, I think that we could expect a choppy market moving forward, but I don't foresee and Like, I guess one of the best things you could do, but you know, like we were just, I was just talking about with X and he mentioned, you know, maybe this time is like, we're looking at sort of the, you know, final hurrah for, for markets. But if you look at the S and P, and you just throw a weekly chart on, you throw a daily chart on, um, and you zoom out, you know, to higher resolution, it puts in perspective, like, what has actually happened. Like, not a whole lot has actually happened at all. Um, the market was taken by surprise. So that's always, you know, it's never a good thing, right? Market prices things in advance, and when you get something where it kind of catches them from left field, um, or comes out of left field, that's when things happen, right? When there's something that's expected and, and either, you know, um, more happens or less happens, and it's not sort of on par with what was, you know, already priced in by the market. Uh, so, I expect choppiness. Do I expect? I I think that honestly, I don't want to call bottom, um, but I think we saw an overreaction by by markets. Um, I don't think, like I said, I don't think we're really looking at the Fed, you know, running off its balance sheet. Uh, they could eventually walk that back. I don't know how the market would respond, you know, next meeting, they start walking that back. Um, but I think we're, we're, I think we're close to the base. We're closer to, to the bottom than we are to the top for BTC. I think that's very, in my opinion, it's very clear. Um, I don't think we're looking at any kind of major movement, you know, considering now we've already moved down significantly. And another thing that I'm, you know, not so sure about is it's not like, you know, we've seen, uh, it's not like we've seen funding go very positive, but it's also the case that we haven't seen it go that negative at all either. But, but in, you know, all that time, open interest has gone up significantly. So open interest keeps going up. It is similar to how, you know, it's similar to how it went up from, from May to, you know, to the end of July. But from that period, it was much more clear in terms of positioning that one side was getting hit harder. You know, we had hedging that was taking place within stablecoin margin contracts. Um, and, you know, if there were hedges or outright shorts, either way, it was directionally, it was more aggressive towards the downside. Um, here, it's like we have the same behavior in open interest. We have open interest going up as prices moving down, uh, but we don't have sort of the sign that is very clear that would be, you know, that we would see from funding or, or financing. Another thing that was different this go around, and maybe we could start looking to, uh, and this is actually something I'll I'll just pull up right now to see where it's at. Is and I shared this like a week ago, um, and maybe it was just under a week ago. You know, we had all the similarities between those two areas of market structure, but this time around we had call um, calls that were trading at a premium to puts at that twenty five delta, at that thirty twenty delta. So there was not nearly as much negative sentiment as we had last time for this consolidation. And generally, like what you want to see is that if the market does consolidate, that there's, you know, extremes in sentiment that you could at least make a case around to say, OK, this consolidation is 
you know, we're starting to build up a lot of, you know, over leveraged longs or over leveraged shorts. And the sentiment is one way of sort of seeing where the market's head is at. Only now um, we're starting to see that skew is going negative. So, you know, shorter term skew is negative. Um, Near term expiration, 30 day skew, 60 day skew. Uh, Longer term skews in the options market are going to remain positive. 90% of the time, I would say that option skew longer term is going to be positive. Um, so that like 180 day skew should always be, you know, it, it will for the most part always be uh, indicative of call activity versus put activity or demand rather. Um, but now we're starting to see the shift in sentiment. So could we be, you know, are we looking at much lower? I don't think so, honestly. Um, so a reclaim for me would mean a lot. Because at that point, you know, the, the way I look at it is when we start to see the open interest really increase uh, and it's corresponding with the general direction of the market, in this case, down after a breakdown, um, the best way to think of it is, and you could throw a VWAP onto, you know, if we have a weekly VWAP or, you know, now it could just be the, it could be like a quarterly VWAP. Um, once you start trading above, above the activity, you have a very strong case for putting one side off size, right? So trading above 46. I would say if we start trading above 46, we're looking, you're at least looking back at 50, right? Um, yep. And then you know, we have a stronger case to be made for, I think at that point, much higher. Um, you know, we're in a big range right now, right? Like we're in a very big range. You know, from a macro standpoint, our range goes all the way up. You know, you could say that, you know, the high, the all-time high was a deviation and the prior range highs were the range high. And there's a lot of area to work with, um, which... You know, when you're in a macro structure like this, at least like the extremes make the directional trade much more obvious, but it implies you have to wait a long time to get there. So if, if we're above, like, say, for example, you know, 60K, it's like, well, yeah, if we're above 60K, we're going much higher. But shit, you just gave up all that space in between that you could have got involved earlier. Um, but I think it, it pays, at least from my approach, once we're back into major market structure, I stop thinking about, oh, we have, you know, a larger weekly trend of higher highs and higher lows. And I start thinking more along the lines of we're back within a weekly structure. Let me just treat it like it's a big range until we get out of it again. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, I, I, you know, I'm I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like if we, if we reclaim, you know, 46, I think that, that bodes to reason that, uh, you know, we'd, we'd push towards the other side. I think I would think higher than. 50, but I guess, you know, maybe like 52, 53. Um, and so, I mean, you know, you just kind of thinking of like, that's, that's just your, your signal to be more, uh, just risk on in the market in terms of like alts and, uh, holding spot and so on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and okay. you know, it always pays, you know, at least for myself, I always, you know, have an idea of where the next sticky area is and 50 K would be a reasonable spot. Um, but after you know period of sustained one way activity, and you know that fifth all that it's not like the market doesn't have a bid right now. Like back in March 2020, there was like no there was no book right. The the book evaporated. You know the yeah. for a while there was like a little bit of a, a war taking place between you know larger participants on FTX um, and Bitfinex, and all of those longs on Bitfinex got filled. So there was a big exchange that took place. So it's not like this level isn't being defended. Um, and if you start turning the ship right down here after you know, putting in that large move initially in early December, putting in this move you know, that comes into a key weekly level, once we start reclaiming 46, yeah, 50 seems you know, like a given. 
but the chances are that you know what happens when the market starts getting moving in the opposite direction. Um, I personally usually sell the wrong resistance, right? You know, you sell and then price just starts squeezing upward and, and taking out, you know, some more extreme highs, um, which means like, you know, the most ridiculous, it's almost like Bitcoin always does the most ridiculous thing, which would be, oh, in a very short amount of time after turning 46, it's like we're back at 60, right? And then we have a, a massive wick and then we have to come and settle around 52, 55. But I think you get my, my point, like there's overthrow to the downside already. At some point, we're going to have overthrows to the upside. Like, there's no reason for Bitcoin to just fall off a cliff right now. Um, and this could be very well since the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, when you have people that are going to be redeploying, and that's kind of one thing that we, we, you know, I've been talking about is like the month of January, the first couple of weeks are where we want to really pay attention. Well, hey, like if you if you wanted a dip and you were on the sidelines, like now you're getting it. So it, it'll be really important to see how the market responds around this level. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's just, yeah, I guess, I, you know, I, I'm still hoping for one more push lower just to kind of get that, that confirmation. I mean, it does kind of seem like we're, we're forming that, uh, that similar base, uh, like we were in the summer. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. Like, <laughs> the with, with open interest, I mean, you know, it just feels like you're flying, uh, you know, kind of pretty blind uh, when not much of that gets eroded away uh, on a move like this. Yeah, you know, maybe that was them building position, building shorts. But um, you, you know what, though, saying. like it, the, I can't really say much about that directionally. But it, there's one thing that you can say is that at some point that will unwind. Um, so we know that there's still like a, there's a high probability of a larger move that's coming, right? Uh, right. whether that's a squeeze that's building and we're just kind of trying to find the spring point, um, or whether or not we haven't got that long puke and, you know, yesterday we, we have like, uh, $850 million in liquidations or something like that. Um, and you know, a long puke. Could be where this is the first, this looks like a big dip, but then we get the squeeze where we take out the lows around 40 um, and then see that kind of exhaustive large liquidation. And I, no matter what, like if, if that happens and, you know, if we're, if we break below 40 and we have a massive cascading liquidation, you know, it's going to be a great trading opportunity in the short term. Um, yeah, no question. Yeah, I don't want to think too far in advance or, or be like too foreboding, but, you know, the open interest increasing. And not really getting squeezed by one move or the other. It's like when price moved up, it didn't squeeze really much. Price moved down, yeah, we saw a drop, and now it's 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 at new highs. Um, so it's it's interesting. Like I, I can't really wrap my head around it. Yeah, and then uh, one one last thing. Um, I know you talked about uh, Dopex DPX. I I have owned a lot for like a, a good amount of time. I guess I sold like half my stack in the three thousands. But um, you know. In regards to these these altcoin plays uh, that have like illiquidity and aren't listed on exchanges, like how do you? I mean, you just gotta kind of deal with like cutting the position um, whenever you know the market doesn't look good, um, or is it? Are you thinking more long term? I mean, it's just like it's a lot harder to get like a, a stop loss if we were to just you know absolutely get a cascade where you just completely offsides in that instance. <laughs> Yeah, so one thing that uh, 
so this is like one of the reasons why I was never really that. I mean, I took advantage of DeFi summer. I've been taking advantage of most of the all set. You know, the majority of the market's been eyes on. But one thing that I never really was too much of a fan of is trading uh, on decentralized exchanges and not seeing. You know, you see the available liquidity. Um, you see the depth, right? The local depth, two percent up, two percent down. But for me, I, I like to see what I'm hitting into. Like I like seeing the order book and seeing exactly who's there on the bid and who's there on the ask. Um, and you know, I I tend to close out DeFi plays. I guess a little bit. Uh, I like I am and I end up being a little bit anticipatory um, because I just feel like they could rub so much harder and I you know I watched myself get slipped before and, and um, sandwiched before just watching orders go through and, and watching them get front ran and then get sold into uh, I the plays that I've taken that I have right now are they're they're not minuscule but they're small enough for me where I'm not really if anything I, I tagged on initial positions that I would be happy to add to if you know I tagged on positions I don't want to say gotcha. late, but but yep. I know that they, they could have been a better entry and that I, you know, I held my, held myself back from aping and completely expecting that, Hey, we would look at like a 20, 30% dump in a period. Um, but yeah, it is, it's tough because that's, that's one thing I think we'll see improved though, is the, uh, the execution on decks and, you know, limit orders will be you know, great limit orders, not because you have a few platforms that, that have capabilities, um, would provide, I guess, more comfort. But another thing that I noticed is, Depending on what you're in, like if it's a smaller cap, the people that are in it are, I guess, less inclined to really respond to overall market activity. So some pairs that you don't really see much in response to what is taking place on centralized exchanges. So yeah, if a pair is not listed on centralized exchanges, it's almost like that is in and of itself a buffer because there's less ability to immediately like market out. Right, because when I go to get out of a position, like on on you know Ethereum, on a swap, it takes a few seconds. Like I don't like that either. <laughs> you know, that's something that I I don't. Yeah, I like to immediately get in and get out if I want to. So that is kind of you know maybe that in of itself acts as friction in the whole process of de-risking because I have seen you know smaller caps have just held up almost as if they're not really paying attention to what's taking place in the in the larger market. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. It it does give me like semi end of cycle vibes, um, but you know that's it's just a bunch of rotations. Anyway, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, totally. Thanks, buddy. All right, what's up, Francesco? Let me get you on here again. Can you hear me at all now? Yeah, I can hear you now. What's up, bud? Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Um, hey, really happy. Uh, honestly, working a lot. Really focused. Waking up really early. Um, I'm happy to be able to talk with you again. Um, talk to you, bud. Yeah, of course. And uh, I have a couple questions for you uh, regarding alt trading and uh, some things that you've been discussing discussing publicly on your Twitter uh, about utilizing um, order flow for alts and uh, trade in light. Um, which pairs have you been on most? So what I've focused on is you know, where most of the activity is taking place in the market. So I'm trying to, so one thing that I've noticed with trading alts is, especially at this point in the cycle, is you really have to be on the, on the ball with what's, uh, with where the market's attention is. And a lot of that can be found on Twitter. So skate where the puck is going. And a lot of the times what that involves is being really focused on, um, 
what's taking place, take being really focused on, I guess, some of the more privy all traders in general. So where their interest is going, where most of the activity is shifting to. So what I've noticed is a lot of the, a lot of it starts there. So, you know, you've seen uh, you know, you've seen rotations through Solana, AVAX, Luna, um, and now there's smaller rotations taking place in other L1s. You see now the popular flavors of the, it's, I guess the best way to put it is you have to keep your, you have to keep a, a finger on the pulse with regard to what the flavors of the month are. So FTM, near um, one, uh, and then what else I've been, I've been in some smaller caps, but I've been primarily trying to trade where most of the volume is going to uh, in the new rotations. So I've been trading mostly FTM, mostly near, um, and uh, what's the other one? And, and one. Um, and then trading order flow on these, I'm using trading light. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm looking at like a footprint chart, but what I am noticing is that they are responding to some of the levels that have been consistently present in the order book in, you know, in mark, you know, in the depth of market, for example. So if you're looking at trading light, you can see the actual, you can see it in the heat map. Um, but I'm, I'm using the same things I would use with BTC when it comes to profile and, and VWAPs. Uh, just because it's a matter of, you know, where the market is putting on risk and how it's responding when it's returning back there, how it's responding when it's getting away from there. Um, but I think it's most important to, one, just be able to filter. And this is why I think I, 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 I'm trying to get better at focusing on where the attention is going on Twitter because you want to be able to filter for that, right? So one thing that I talked about was, and this has been something I've been doing forever, is when Bitcoin drops, you know, you want to see where, what's performing best off of the lows. So that's kind of just a standard, right? So when Bitcoin dropped yesterday, it was like one and a half percent off the lows. You had FTM, you had near, you had one that were, you know, they were between nine and 12% respectively. So you want to know who's doing the best off of the lows, right? The fastest horse out of the gate. Um, and then I'm just, I'm trading those basically in the same way that I would trade BTC, but, uh, you know, not on the, I guess, not as low time frame, like I could trade BTC and scalp it for, you know, a couple hundred dollar rotations where with alts, you know, I might be charting them on a three to five minute chart. Uh, and big, with Bitcoin, I'm looking at more of a rotation candle, looking at more of like a tick chart or volume chart, which could be a you know tighter um, volatility based periodicity or volume based periodicity. Uh, but it, it's a learn. It's it's a learning process right now for me because I was trading them for a long time, trading them from a momentum standpoint. Um, and the one thing that I've, I've said is, you know, they alts are more retail driven, so they tend to really respect technical levels. So that's just like a, a standard, just having an idea of where the significant levels are within market structure, um, which should be kind of a no brainer for anyone who's trading this market, because it's always been obvious that that's one of the first things you consider. But other than that, it's, you know, focusing on a filtered tape is also useful the same way I would do with like agar for BTC. Um, looking at where large pockets of volume are getting involved, right? Seeing how the market is able to either hold that level or whether or not it's being, you know, it's whether or not it's able to uh, hold that level or not. Um, and applying, I guess, the same ideas that I apply to BTC to alts now. And it's a, it's a work in progress, uh, but it is definitely, I think, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to do now because you have all these different order flow platforms that are coming out. Uh, you have all these platforms that are coming out that are helping you look more into data rather than looking at, you know, just a candlestick chart. 
Uh, another thing I shared recently, you know, it's kind of along the same lines of looking at relative performance chart. Um, the buy the dips platform that I shared on Twitter, uh, hmm. looking at Z scores to look at, you know, what has been hammered the hardest. Um, you know, looking at FTM, for example, and knowing what kind of dip is worth buying, right? What is an expected dip? What is a dip that's outside of the, you know, what is a dip that is outside of expected values? You know, multiple standard deviations outside of the norm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been focusing on trading alts, I would say, you know, for the last two weeks. And I've been trading them, not, I guess, 90% of the time, barely trading Bitcoin. Um, it just, it seems like it's an easier, it's a much easier trade. Right. And you want to position yourself in these easier trades because then you have the upper hand most of the times. And then yeah. the odds are on your side. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, I remember uh, last year, uh, you know, when I got Quant Tower, uh, mm-hmm. I was doing that very heavily as well. Uh, and then I stopped doing it just to focus uh, on other things. And currently, I, uh, you know, I was hearing uh, Mitchell, I think, right? Uh, he was talking about the sentiment that he, he feels that the cycle is over and you know uh i remember we were talking a couple a couple weeks ago especially about my portfolio um and, you know taking profits and you know uh i knew there was going to be a little more of a pump at that time and i was like mm, i might be wrong why am i selling here but you know every day i'm more convinced that i i took the right decision um you know due to present market conditions um And I am not really sure what's the next sticky point when it comes to, you know, coming down. Uh, my bias right now is to not be involved in the market. And, uh, you know, I was looking at exocharts, TPO, but I cannot get enough data uh, to get past the single print that we left on um, December 4th. Uh, yeah. it's, in, it's in between like 45 and 41. Uh, what comes after that? I mean, that's, this is right now, um, that level right there is, is already below, you know, key weekly level. So our key weekly level right now, you know, just prior weekly close low. So just a pivot is 43.226. Um, it's not the lows of that structure. The lows go all the way down to 39.5, um, hmm. which is kind of a, another key weekly level because it was a, a weekly high for the prior range between May to July. Um, but you do, you know, there's, There are areas where you would expect a significant response, right, if the market ran them. And, you know, while you wouldn't want it, it would be, you know, just sub, just below sub 40 into that 39 region. And that would take out all the lows locally before you started getting back into a gap. You know, once you start breaking below 39.6, 39.5, there's nothing in the way structurally. You know, um, doesn't mean the market has to just cascade through there, but you know, what we've seen is that this market gets pretty hands off or, or likes to um, likes to show respect to how price responds to key areas within market structure. And once you lose like everything, right, it's like what stands in the way at that point besides, you know, your value bidder or your larger whales gobbling up all that liquidity because that is such a key level. So, you know, 39, the risk is if you fall below 39, that you fall into a pretty structureless area um from the move that was like the end of July going all the way up to, you know from you know it was 29 all the way up to 
42, and that was a pretty one-way trip. That was like 10 days in a row, right? So I think that was, nah, that was yeah, it was like 10, 10 days of green candles. Um, so no structure within that. So mm-hmm. below, you know, I mean, there's a daily pivot right around 38, but if you lose 39, it's it's a lot uglier, right? Because at that point, you're falling back within a prior range. And, you know, we see what happens when Bitcoin goes back in ranges. It tends to do what it did previously, which is test range extremes. Um, so what that would mean is, you know, if we accept back within the May, you know, May to July range and we accept there and we don't see a significant response, well, you know, chances are you're looking much lower at that point, which wouldn't be out of the question. Right. Because mm-hmm. technically speaking, if we look at the weekly chart, we're all we're in a big range and the range extremes from a weekly closing standpoint are now thirty one seven and, you know, all the way at the high at sixty five five. So would it be out of the ordinary? Uh, yeah, it would kind of be out of the ordinary for BTC, but would it be a first? No, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be a first for assets to go through long ranges. I mean, crypto, you know, Bitcoin behaves kind of like commodity sometimes. So, you know, what's more commodity-ish than having a, you know, really long-term, very large range that price moves within. With commodities, it's more like months. You know, you're looking at monthly candles where it's doing this. But with BTC, there's no reason why I can't do that. That's why, you know, respecting, for at least for myself, paying respect to technical levels and, and where we sit within them is most important because, yeah, I'm a believer in BTC long term, but I'd much rather be a believer and, and pick and choose my spots to get involved than, right. you know, just hold from any point because I'm not, you know, I got involved in BTC, I guess, technically speaking, early, but not sub $100 early, right? right. So I'm not up thousands in, in multiples, right? I, I'm, I'm more choosy with regard to my trades. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I I don't think that 38K is like 39K. A lot of people talking about it. At least, you know, uh, as I created DigiWeeds Twitter, I started getting the sentiment of a lot of people that are different from what I follow on my personal Twitter, which is like you, Josh, uh, Saka, uh, Abby Feldman, Soon. And, and all these people in, in Stan, for example, and the rest of the people that, you know, uh, we follow that I think uh, put out, provide a great, uh, you know, output of information. And I started seeing more like the retail side of it. And right now I see a lot of people uh, really exhausted from this job. And I see a lot of people, you know, even the, 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 the people who are the most optimistic, uh, feeling really bad and getting really angry and fighting with each other uh, over you know, debating over if they're going to sell their, their assets, if they're not going to sell their assets. Uh, and, and it causes, you know, uh, a little bit of pain for me. But at the same time, it, it's giving me the sentiment of, you know, the normal people who got involved due to NFT retail, right? Who are people who might not have uh, those sources of information that we might have, uh, you know, and uh, helps us take better decisions when it comes to approaching the market. So, I do see a difference, you know, a big shift in attitude from like the macro of normal people. And and that's kind of worrying to me. I, I wouldn't tag along at 38, maybe at 32. Um, I would. Yeah. Um, no, there is and a also, shift. In... No, no, go ahead. 
Go ahead. I was just going to say that there there is a like a palpable shift in sentiment uh, across the market right now. But I mean, we've been in a 18 month bull market at this point, 20 month bull market, um, and you know people have been really rewarded for not doing a whole lot of work. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, you know, it's every cycle are going to be, they're going to make a lot of money and then they're going to be parted with their money um, because they didn't have a plan. And, you know, I'm definitely seeing some people that, and, you know, it's hard because you have, I guess one thing that, um, and GCR said this yesterday, uh, Rebirth, that I guess, you know, try to be more sensitive because there are, I'm seeing some people in the replies that are like destroyed about where price is. And, you know, I'm sitting, at my computer, like having a good time because, you know, you have the luxury of it if you didn't continue to buy every point thinking it was a bottom, but there, mm -hmm. you know, it's a market. There's, there's going to be a lot of people that, that get hurt and price double topped so far, right? So we have two weekly highs, which, you know, as you can imagine, brought more people back in under the hope that, oh, this is definitely going to be, you know, a sustained move upward and a really large range right now is what we're, what we're in. So if you're, and that's the trouble of being in a range. Like if you're sitting now underwater, you might think like, well, yeah, we're within a range, so we're okay. Like I have the bottom that still is going to act as support. And, you know, prices, as it loses local levels, moving through that range and, and moving against these people. Um, and I guess they're just getting more and more hopeless. But, you know, that's the reality. Like a lot of people got involved late. They always do. You know, all my friends that are people that are now in, you know, I have, excuse me, I should rephrase. A lot of my personal friends just started getting involved in crypto like the last two months. And I'll be damned if I didn't think like, oh, this is definitely, and I told my friends, like my close friends, I told, you know, hey man, like I just got to let you know, the fact that you, you know, for example, want to go out to lunch today to talk about crypto is a sign that I need, right? Like, I just want to let you know, technically speaking, you only come around, you know, speaking, saying you generally, you only get involved in markets, meaning people as a whole who have no yeah. experience in markets yet. You only get involved at the worst, at the worst times, right? Um, and that's just the way it's always been. But, you know, I, I it could be, a, it doesn't have to mean that the markets just continue to tank now. We could have different cycles moving forward. Um, there is a more, you know, there's, I don't think we're looking at like a two year bear market in crypto. I, I think we're looking at whatever the, whatever equity markets do. I think, I think, um, crypto does. Um, but I think that it doesn't mean all of crypto does what equities do. What it means is you have probably 10 pairs that are going to stay very strong and correlated. BTC, I think is default going to be one of them. And mm -hmm. And then a lot of other stuff is over allocated to and is going to be, you know, it's going to lose share to the stronger stuff in the market. And we'll see, you know, a lot of things go on to back to nothing, right? Not to nothing because the, their protocols, they can stay listed. And as long as there's two people to trade, they'll, they'll continue to print, uh, you know, price. But I think a lot of the garbage will hopefully uh, lose capital to the more resilient and worthwhile pairs. Um and the cycle just kind of goes on, right? And this is the way markets work in general. So I, uh, I see what you're saying, though, about the, the general shift in sentiment. 
Yes, a lot of pain across the board. A lot of people who are considering selling just because of the, you know, capital losses, uh, cut on tax. People who I know that don't even have that much money to reach that. It's like a 7K limit, right? That you can deduct um, on capital losses, if I'm right. No, I think it's like, it might be 3K. It's 3K? Okay. Yeah, against your income. Yeah, it's it, taxes in this country are not my specialty yet. Um, but people who I know that 3K changes their, their life. You know, 3K changes my life too still, but not that much. Uh, but I, I, see, I, I see a lot of people being really hurt right now. And I, I think that um, sadly it will keep being that way. And, and when you see that, you, you realize, oh, wow, that could have been me. I'm so grateful for for my knowledge. I'm so grateful for the life that I have, right? It's just like J. Cole says, love yours. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think it's very interesting what you say about, you know, I, I feel the same way. All my friends from high school are like, hey, I want to get into crypto. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> press the sell button. <laughs> it's time, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> right. And yeah. For, for us, it might be funny, but um, I, I understand the other side. And uh, also, friend, I want to congratulate you uh, on your road to 100K. Oh, uh, thanks, buddy. You've been killing it ever since I met you. Uh, you post great content. You share a lot of knowledge. And, uh, you know, a lot of it you do it for free. So I hope that all the people who's in this room is also as grateful as I am to have met you. And uh, even uh, over social media, I think that you're giving, you're, you're giving people their worth for their time. And uh, I saw you start from the very bottom, man. So... Uh, just keep keep hustling it. Thanks, brother. Love you, man. Love you too, friend. I'll leave this space right, so, anyone... so that, somebody else can come up. I'll leave this space so somebody else can come up. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Does anyone else want to hop on? We're about over an hour. We're going to cut it if uh, no one else wants to chime in. It was good so far. We covered a lot. This will be recorded. So for anyone who's just hopping on right now, um, you'll be able to to listen again. So we have some bounces right now. One is moving up. FDM is moving up. Near is moving up. Um, but I, I think that <clears throat> I don't think it's going to be a one-way trip from here for even the strong pairs. Uh, I think that we're going to see uh, a lot of short-term volatility. So something to be mindful of, as always. Uh, and I guess like one of the things that I, I say, I think it's a decent filter is no real bottoms for anything. Um, you're not out of the woods until the VIX is, is back down. I mean, it looks like we're back at 19, but, and it's, it's not like it was tremendously elevated, like, you know, last, not last month in November, we're back at like 30, which is a, a different story. Um, but I think that the number one indicator on your chart, uh, you know, unless you're scalping just low time frames. Um, but if you're, you know, more positioned swing trading, what you have to keep in mind is uh, the indicator shouldn't be a moving average or, a, you know, an RSI or, you know, something that's on TradingView. Well, it is on TradingView, but your indicator should be, you know, the S&P. Um, and if you are, if you're trying to see, you know, if, if you're on TradingView and, you know, I always share this, um, just chart the ES because the ES is, you know, your futures contract around the S&P. So, for those of you that are new and are, you know, let's say, for example, after, 
you know, four o'clock today, you go to chart the S&P, and you're like, wait, it's not doing anything. Um, chart the yes, right? So chart the EMA. And we see that, you know, after periods like this, there's a pretty, there's a really strong correlation. Um, I think that like the last four month rolling correlation between the S&P and BTC was like 0.33, which is you know, positive and um, becoming stronger over time. So uh, until we have a, you know, sound looking structure uh, on the S&P, I think that the pace is just be mindful of that. And, and right now the S&P, you know, we're trading at above 47. Um, so better than where it was this morning. You know, we had a very significant uh, response off of the lows. We tap below the lows and we hit all the way down to, I think, 46.62. Um, but it's going to be choppy. So, you know, same way that, you know, Bitcoin trades in a low time frames and how it was trading before breakdown. It's like you had so many spikes upward. Um, and if you're, you know, easily, easily thrown off, you'll look at, you know, you know, if you have a spike to the upside and then a spike to the downside and then you pick a direction, you know, after that, let's say price takes out a high, takes out a low for the longest time. It was, you know, OK, so uh, after that, if we choose a side, price is usually going to continue because we've taken the high and the low. But all we've seen lately is price takes a high price, takes a low. Then price spikes up. Looks like it's going to have follow through. Oh, no, it's just taking another high. And then we make a new low. And, uh, you know, all price is done is moved, you know, chopped within a, a one and a half, two percent range. So I think it pays to be patient. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up, though, guys, because no one else has requested to to talk. Uh, I appreciate those of you that uh, decided to stop back in. X, um, Mitchell, Francesco, Banga, it's always nice. Um, always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we will continue to increase the participation in these. Today is Thursday. Um and I will hop on again. I think I'll hop on again over the weekend. Um, but I think what we'll do is maybe we'll make, so today's Thursday, and I think maybe Wednesdays, we'll always have a consistent Wednesday show at 12 p.m. I have to figure out the uh, the remaining two shows, when to fit those in. But lunchtime, um, lunchtime is a pretty good time for me. Uh, I understand that everyone's coming from a different time zone. So, you know, that is that is tough. But thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, it's a pleasure. Um, I wish you guys well. Stay smart, stay vigilant, and until next time.